As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you feeling a bit animated? Well, come on over to the Wicked Anime Podcast on the Nerdy Show Network, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to animation, Japanese culture, and all things anime. With a true industry perspective, we're always diving deeper than school uniforms and tentacle monsters. Join us on the Wicked Anime Podcast, nerdyshow.com slash wicked anime. It's Wicked A! <clears throat> <laughs> What? The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com! Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, We've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm Boar. Insert Trench's witty intro here. Wow. Okay. Um, and Boar, Boar, were you doing a Dragon Ball Z villain? I have no idea what that was. That sounded very much like you the know English when I'm doing the intros. Version. I I I was just doing some vocal warm ups, and I just arrived at that voice, and I just rolled with it. It's like Goku. I'm going to throw you into a mountain. <laughs> I suppose I could have channeled that. <laughs> That's what sounded. <laughs> I do remember that line from Dragon Ball Z now that you, now that you bring it up. Piccolo. Go and then ahead. he does it. Other like Goku flies names. into the mountain. Yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> Fuzzy memories. So it's been a while since we've done a proper nerdy show recording. We've had a few interviews and uh, an interruption based on hurricane work schedule hiccups. Interviews and outer. You still have a tree on your house. I do. It's <laughs> just leaning business casual on the side of my house. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Here we are almost a month later and mm -hmm. still there. Still there, but but actions have been made and sometime soon when when all these people who are cutting down trees all over the county still like get around to it, eventually eventually there won't be a palm tree leaning on my house. I was talking to Boar when he picked me up that my neighborhood still has debris everywhere and I noticed that yours does too. Yeah, I, I pointed out that there's just 
every neighborhood pretty much still has debris left and you know it's slowly going away it seems like but they're taking their that might just be because time. the wind blows some away is what it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think people have it taken it, it yet it might well, be it well let me tell you a story so my my street did actually get uh debris pickup i had a big pile of branches and so on about as big as two suvs and then i i heard a bunch of rumbling outside and peeped through my blinds like a creeper and saw this uh Big, big, big truck roll up with a like one story tall dumpster essentially that they dropped in front of my neighbor's house directly across from mine and then had some kind of rolling scoop machine up and down the street for about an hour dumping everything into this huge trough. But while they were doing this, they this was a, a contractor. They weren't city workers. The city or the county brought in other people from outside to come and assist with this cleanup. They didn't give a fuck what they were doing. And their um, machine with treads and a big scooper on it, I don't know. It wasn't a backhoe, and that's the only construction equipment like that that I can name. It was not a backhoe. <laughs> it was a front hoe. This, this front hoe came. Front hoe's on nasty. <laughs> this front that sounds like just a regular hoe. <laughs> I'd say, I guess it's a regular hoe. The backhoe's a nasty one. <laughs> Sorry. Moving on. Anyway, this front hoe came along, and it... <laughs> clipped a bunch of curbs with its treads including the one right outside my house so this you know concrete curb got smashed and upended it's like the uh, it's like an elbow shape so it like you know it goes along the side of the street and then curves up towards my driveway and then cracked in a, in a bunch of places and then spiked up out of the ground so the woman who lives next to me is 80 years old so i'm like all right well let me fix this curb cuz she is sure as shit ain't going to do it so I start digging, and I've sort of, I kind of got to get under the curb because it goes down about like two and a half feet or so of, of concrete in this big elbow shape. In this area, you're lucky that's all that it went down because you know there could have been a sinkhole underneath. You might have just seen all the way down into a giant pit, but well, it only went down a couple of feet, so that's good. Yeah, you proven hollow earth theory. Uh, well, I, I did see some things though. I did see some things because I was I thought I was mashing into a root, but then I, I pulled out. I, I pulled out a, a giant bone. Oh. I, I, I pulled out this this giant. Why are you taking the plastic off this it? Giant bone here. Oh, well, so you can chew on it. Uh, here you I'm go. I'm not touching that. Here, yeah. You want to want to touch the bone? I really don't want to touch Trench. the bone either. No. Careful. It's a, it's still a little sandy. It's it's got a lot of dirt on it. You didn't even that's rinse like, it, rinse it off. Well, why would I rinse it off? The dirt's character. So what Cap is saying over is a bone the size of what would you say that's the size of Trench? That's like like a a cow's femur. Yeah. Say an 80s cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> not not inaccurate. <laughs> it's larger than any microphone. Oh, yeah. We're hold using. it up to your ear. You, you'll look like Zach Morris. And you'll hear the ocean. <laughs> you'll hear a farm. <laughs> I, it, is, it, is, it is. We did determine it's probably a cow's femur. Um, but it's, it's a little too stout and a little too wide to be a human femur. But it was close enough that when I first pulled it out, I was like, okay, this isn't. This is either a horse bone or a person bone. What kind of bone is this? He dead, yo. <laughs> and and why? Why was it there? And I also pulled out an antique marble, like for playing marbles with oh. as children in the turn of the century. Like the little you know, rascals. The former century. Yeah. Um, th it looks like it's probably from the the forties or thirties. Uh, and speaking with the old lady who lives next door. Did you take that on Antiques Roadshow? <laughs> well, no, and it's got a bit of a ding. And also, I I oh. looked on eBay, and uh, they're. 
Like, oh, the, the kids the, next door will be the, shooting marbles all the time, and the, I'd say, stop that. The myth of making big money from marbles, as far as eBay's concerned, this would this would not get me any kind of I was being money. extremely sarcastic. I didn't okay. think that marbles were worth anything. Well, see, I, I, I said, oh, hey, I found this antique marble, marble to Brandon, and Brandon was like, you got to sell that shit. You're rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we're talking about Brandon. <laughs> you know, sometimes he's not wrong. <laughs> he was talking about uh, needing a liquor cabinet. Recently, I told him to just build one. <laughs> he, he's too lazy to build his own liquor cabinet. What, are you kidding? That's, that's, so not, the, that's the, not the Brandon way. The cow bone the, was the running theory that it was uh, like a dog, like like they gave it to a dog to chew on kind of thing. Well, I don't know. Um, like, Because the thing is, the, uh, the curb I found out from the little old lady who's lived there forever was installed by her husband in 1971. And uh, she had no idea why there would have been a cow bone or an antique marble. So I'm guessing whatever it is was just beneath the surface of whatever civilization lived here prior to this more modern 20th century neighborhood. So maybe maybe a 1930s uh, farming community of some kind. Orlando's a relatively new city, so uh, it was rural up until not so very long ago. It seems entirely possible there was you know maybe an actual farm there. Or it was a refuse pile for a farm or, I don't know, someone who would have had... I mean, because you don't... One typically doesn't cook a food that comes with a bone this big. Well, uh, you haven't came over to my place to eat lately. That's true. I wish you did get invite a, me. Get a bone like that and, you know, throw it in a pot. Put in a couple of potatoes, a carrot, a little bit of milk. You got yourself a stew going. Yeah, baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> <laughs> so that's maybe the most peculiar thing that's happened to me. Hey, don't throw that in the intro. <laughs> 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 Uh, we have pictures of all this crap on my Instagram, which I'll link to. How about the rest of you? I mean, Boar, we 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 spent yesterday painting the uh, the trim of your house. Your yeah, new house. I finally closed on the house and and started fixing it up and whatnot, and got a little bit of painting done. Like me and Cap painted all day yesterday, and when you look at the house, it's like, what did, what did you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> we we did all the labor intensive trim painting, which you know it takes forever, uh, but you know the end result is. What what changed? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was I was stuck in a corridor with two room doors and a closet it, it, door all all day. Yeah, it does already look better, but uh, yeah, hopefully I can make it look a lot better when when the walls actually start changing colors. <laughs> Your house is very peculiar. We found um, we found some secrets in it. When when the light hit the secrets. the room that's going to be your office just right. A, uh, a sort of a, a, a renaissance style underpainting was revealed oh yeah it was like an, another form of archaeology in, in the house <laughs> i was hoping you were going to say portal to another world but no we we, we well, found uh, maybe a, not, not another world but another place a street in particular it was like cave paintings uh that we revealed off of the walls only it was from uh from sesame street so we had a there's a burt and ernie there's a super grover uh, there's remnants of uh, who was it, Oscar the Grouch, and, and I think there was an, an Elmo, Elmo coming in for a hug. Yeah. So okay, so what was the phenomenon that was happening? The, the light was showing like faded. Well, if you paint, just like walk you... in real quick and there's not a lot of light in the room, it just looks like a normal room. But uh-huh. if if there's enough light in the room, they didn't paint over these drawings very well. <laughs> like they put a single uh, coat gotcha. of some sort of paint over it. What you see is you don't see colors, but you do see extremely faint. The contrasting line, line work, and it only happens when it's very well lit, which mm-hmm. is which is really funny. Well, you're like, oh, it's it's like a map of streets, and then it, it I heard a voice speak of evil under the ocean, and like it's like, <laughs> yeah. going in a weird place. Yeah, I, you I found the code. I had for no the idea. The I had no idea there was anything like that in there, but I was in the room, just kind of like starting to patch some holes in the wall, and I'm like, Cap, 
I think I see Grover. <laughs> <laughs> this is an accurate representation. I have a, a, a cell phone photo. This is a photo of a white wall. <laughs> look, look again, Doug. No, I know. Gotta stare at it. Gotta stare at it long enough, and then it speaks. It's a magic to you. eye. It's like a magic eye, except for you don't have to cross no, yeah, your I eyes. I see it. It's it's not not just Grover. It's Grover with his little knight helmet on. Yeah, Super Grover. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the cape. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's been that's been consuming almost all of my life, uh, other than the the TV shows that we'll probably talk about. It's gonna be like eleven thirty at night. You're gonna be painting in that room just to, on the regular wall, just to get something. You're just gonna hear like in the distance a baby crying. You're gonna be like, all right, I'm done for the night. I'm gonna, <laughs> just, I'm gonna go somewhere else. How about you, Doug? What you been up to? I've been catching up on a lot of Netflix stuff. Uh, I've also been trying to do work on Lightning Dogs, considering because it's Inktober and I'm not an artist. I'm trying to add more to my commonplace book again. So, oh, oh yeah, we'll I mean, people don't goes. people don't actually know about that because that hasn't we haven't caught up into anything resembling modern Lightning Dogs continuity. Oh, in our, true, our documentary. Well, uh, you know, Inktober is when artists will do a drawing every day, and since Tony and Cap are both artists and they draw and Max try, at least, and Max, sorry, sorry, and they at least try to draw every day, and I don't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to try to make up for it another way, so I'll try and write like a three-sentence idea or come up with a new creature or a new story situation or something just so that I feel like I'm contributing somehow. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that said, man, I'm probably going to have to start taking a seat on on some of this October. What I've been doing is um, I've, I've been contributing to the world of the Lightning Dogs and trying to develop out new characters or new takes on characters that have been underdeveloped based on each of the themes of... Inktober, which we probably should explain. I'm sorry. Uh, Inktober is a internet artists event where every day of the month has a one word theme, and you just use that as a point of inspiration and create an all ink drawing of some kind. And it doesn't have to be particularly complex or particularly finished. It's just to to get you working. And as I usually do, I take things too far and I will spend multiple hours on a single piece and it sort of snowballed from there. So the last thing I did actually wasn't um, wasn't lightning dogs. It was it was sword was the theme and I'd done a sword in my prior piece not having looked ahead to what the themes were. And so I decided to draw the, the greatest swordsman that ever lived, Mad Mardigan from Willow. And that's probably going to be the last thing I do for a while because it's been it, well, I spent way too much time <laughs> too on October. Time. There's there's other more considerably more important Lightning Dog stuff that I should be doing, but I hope to get back to it because it is a lot of fun and I do like the new concepts I've come up with. So if you want to see that art, go to any of the Lightning Dogs feeds or our DeviantArt page, or you know if you haven't checked out Lightning Dogs, LightningDogs.com. Other than that, I have uh, watched more anime in the past couple months than I ever have in my entire life. Whoa! What the occasion? Because well, I was I started watching Oran High School Host Club, uh-huh. and I wanted to finish it, and it was good, and I liked it. It was really funny. I really liked it. I recommend it for anyone who's like, I don't know anime, and I'm not really in anime. Oran High School Host Club is a comedy, so it's easy to laugh at. Like it's fine, you know. It it, it it's silly on purpose. Like uh-huh. I want you to laugh at it, and uh, it's making fun of other anime tropes. So I thought that was hilarious. But then as soon as it was done, I'm like, oh shit! They never made a second season. This is hilarious, and. Ah oh, well, okay. And then like because I liked it on Netflix, it's like, do you like Death Note? And I'm like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do you like Gurren Lagan? I'm like, I saw an episode once. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I'm just, you know, I'm. It's flooding me with everything anime. But I decided to take a chance on One Punch Man, and I <laughs> oh, watched the good, first episode of One Punch Man, and it good was move. pretty cool. Yeah, One Punch Man is like the Tick, but from Japan. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm just like, this is great. This is I, mean, I never thought about the Tick, but it's true. The slippery slope, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's it's gonna have to do a lot to get me to to go full on weeaboo. It's not 
It's not quite taken as easy. Have you seen Full Metal Alchemist? No. And it recommended it to me, and I said, I'm not ready for that either. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 need to, you need to dive into that one. Uh, one Piece. Want to do the One Piece? Oh, Dragon that's, Ball, that's, Dragon too Ball of, Z? that's too deep of a hole. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I never watched the full episode of Dragon Ball Z, I, except for Dragon Ball Z abridged on YouTube. That's kind of funny. That's a very deep, deep hole. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Dragon Ball, just, just Dragon, just Ball. the one. Yeah, yeah. But Z, Z never captured my heart or imagination. But Dragon Ball, that was my shit. I, I, Dragon I've never Ball seen... has the dog president. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've never even seen uh, Avatar, the cartoon. Oh man! But I have seen the avatar cartoon live action movie by m night why why <laughs> because they said it was so terrible it had nothing to do with it i figure this won't spoil the show for me if i see this well yeah you, you got that right but you it also use your time better it though. also won't enrich your life <laughs> i feel smarter for it i feel <laughs> wait like, why i feel i feel like i'm less naive and i'm more uh have a more critical eye so it's helpful in that sense it's remarkable to me that that M. Night made that film out of love for the series, I still can't wrap my head around that. It just baffles me. Almost as if that was a lie. Almost, yeah. But that Al- can't be true. <laughs> That's the twist. <laughs> my philosophy for life is never watch anything that M. M. Night Shyamalan puts out. But sometimes... No, it's not often enough. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may be true. <laughs> How about you, Trench? Last weekend was my birthday. We ate hamburgers. We did. And I had an alcoholic milkshake. Yeah, we actually we we all went to uh to Wahlburgers, and <laughs> Cap had no idea what the hell Wahlburgers was. <laughs> I'd never been there, but I did. So. We were like three fourths of the did way through our visit to Wahlburgers, and when Cap's like, Cap "Why is all this around. Mark Wahlberg all over <laughs> yeah. the place?" And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Cap was reading the walls and was like, "Why is there all these names of why is Ted Two written up there and what what and well no no see." <laughs> In order to see those names, I would have to have looked up, which I didn't yeah. do because okay. because in, did in, you notice the wall? But first? There, yeah, I was saying I, right to our immediate right <laughs> was the wall with the Wahlberg family on it. Well, I got there first, so my entire interaction was uh, my menu and my phone. I did not turn to look to the weird mural on the right, which would have ex- immediately explained to me, "Oh, this is Wahlburgers with an H after the W because it has something to do with Mark Wahlberg." Where's a big fucking picture of Mark Wahlberg and his like his brother and his mom or something? And yeah, I thought that was really hilarious that you <laughs> we almost got through the entire meal before you were like, does this have to do something with Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in the back. He's making the burgers. <laughs> and then and then I enlightened you to the fact that there's a TV show based off of Wahlberg, which sounds atrocious. The food is fine. Yeah, it was fine food. Yeah, it was it was good food. I, I don't watch the show either, but I'm aware of its existence at least. It's like, man, there's just there's so many people. I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm glad the people who helped make that show, you know, got work. But I'm sad that the people who whose show could have been made instead of that show didn't get work. It's not enough money to go around to make decent television shows, and uh, celebrity opening up a burger restaurant sounds like a fucking terrible show to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Well, this is kind of the state of. Television in general. And and politics. <laughs> but hey, let's talk about uh, some television. Some some good television. We are... This has been a heck of a year for TV. I gotta say. I've been floored by the quality. I can't keep up with it. Like, DuckTales is fucking magnificent. Um, 
And here we have two, after years and years of nothing remotely resembling Star Trek, we have two Star Trek shows. Uh, I just finished uh, season one. Of Star Trek? Yes. OG Star Trek? No, the one with uh, Cisco. Context. I was certain you, yeah, I, I remember now. You, yes, your, your journey. You, you, you're, you're so much closer to actually enjoying Deep Space Nine. I'm still three seasons away. <laughs> from the good from part. The, from the new one. <laughs> from Discovery. Wait, what? What? Or that's three seasons. What I'm saying, series. I'm three series away. I'm three I was going to say, you've got six seasons no, of no. Deep DS Space Nine, Nine yeah, alone. Set, and seven seasons of Voyager. It's <laughs> like, you know, I'm three Star Trek series away from Discovery. So. Well, uh, if it helps, uh, none of those have anything to do with Discovery or Orville. So you can feel free to watch those on the side. Yeah, so we've got we've got the Orville, which we spoke about um, a little bit before, which is Seth MacFarlane's uh, Star Trek slash galaxy quest homage and then there's the actual branded star trek show star trek discovery i don't think we've talked about that at all like we, we, we've talked we about, talk about orville speculation and and discovery pre mm, you're right it's, it's, it's hard to remember what we have and haven't talked about well, we haven't in, had a on normal the show, show for, yeah. for quite a while yeah uh well let's just let's start start from scratch um i like both i do too um with with conditions <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Orville, I believe, is a better show in that it keeps the spirit of an optimistic Star Trek, like utopian future, better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really funny, uh, and you know, it, it it feels more like a Star Trek show to me. It feels in tonally and in every way possible. Basically, it's TNG with jokes. Yeah, uh, yeah. the The way that I've been describing it to everybody. Uh, that I talked to trying to convince them to watch it that even remotely like Star Trek is is that it's like Star Trek The Next Generation if you take absolutely all of the characters and remove the giant stick out of their asses so they act like normal people. So it's pretty much normal normal people on a starship, you know, without all the military pretense. Hmm. Yeah, and if... I, I think episodes... Uh, Three and four do a really good job of hammering home the potential it has for Star Trek style storytelling. Because the first, um, the first opening extended episode is it an extended episode. I feel like it is. It, it's a little bit longer. I think it's like one and a half or something. Um, and then the second episode, there it's a lot of uh, scenario and character establishment, and still a lot of fun. And and there's a bit of a a, a classic Star Trek trope in in episode two. It's kind of like a spin on the original Star Trek pilot in some ways. But episodes three and four are incredible episode three really taps into star trek discussing modern issues and themes yeah. in a space setting this is about surgical gender assignment at birth and intersex issues and even circumcision to a lesser extent but at the same time they they keep the issue in a very alien way like it's it's not something that would necessarily happen well, it it wouldn't happen on Earth. I, I hope this exact situation wouldn't happen. Uh, well, I mean, not in the... Okay, so here's the thing. There's the, there's this uh, very Klingon-like alien species, and they're all male. But then you come to find out, well, this couple together, these two males, have a, they, they lay eggs somehow, and they have... Like, the biology of this race is never fully outlined. But yeah. They lay eggs, and they're supposed to have male babies. They have a female baby. And... They demand that they get a, a a sex reassignment for this baby at birth. This is something that the intersex people have uh, occur something along the lines of one in every thousand people. 
So it's remarkably much more common than, than one would realize. And people do, tend to still not bat an eye. I, I didn't, I guess I didn't even think about reassignment uh, intersex uh, people. Are we talking about the Orville still? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like yeah. getting pl- complex. Like it's getting, all right. So go ahead. It's a very complex uh, episode. I mean, they, they're still, there were still, um, they could have, could they have gone deeper? Like, did they glance over something? Certainly they did. But as far as like network television in an hour's time with the issue, this complex. Wow. Uh, bravo yeah. yeah it was really good and then this the episode four is just a, a classic away mission star trek sci-fi scenario and I, episode five is really great but i don't want to say anything about it because it's got some very spoiler things that happen that you, you don't even want to talk about the premise of the episode true yeah true but but very but very good it's yeah it's, it's been it's been a blast and what an interesting phenomenon is that critics are shitting all over it and fans love it <laughs> Yeah, which is which is really bizarre, and then uh, on the other side of that, Star Trek, uh, all the critics were just going bananas about it, and then fans hated it. Yeah, now I have at some, least for the first couple episodes, I have some bones to pick with the Orville. Like they have what seems to be a joke quota. Like if there's not laughs in enough of a time frame, they'll they'll insert a laugh. And I think they could like slash that in half. Because but there's no laugh track. There's no laugh track. That's no. important. But like they'll, they'll, there will occasionally be jokes and it'll be like, that felt wrong of you to insert a joke there. I don't know why you felt like you had to because it seems forced. It might be mandated, yeah. yeah. If the show does well enough, then they'll probably be given more freedom. I think they can grow beyond yeah. it. And then also there's a real like abundance of 20th century references, which makes sense for a couple characters, but they're leaning on it really hard. Yeah, I don't really mind that as much as you seem to. Um, I mean, I Star Trek has always kind of done a little bit of that, but not to this extreme. But look at look at Rick and Morty. They regularly make commentary on things that don't exist, that are pop culture related, but don't exist. Sure. And they're still effective jokes. And Yeah, but this is supposed to be in our future. Like, it's, it's supposed to feel like it's in our future. So, I mean, uh, for example, uh, Voyager, Tom Paris completely leaned on old, like, 50s culture pretty heavily right which i think was a great character quirk for him sure um but this though there's certain characters that do this in orville more than others it's not specifically uh next generation from what i remember of it because it's been years since i saw the show did like the the you know pop culture references as a means of either like giving the audience context for what they were doing or humanizing data um orville it's all Seth MacFarlane humor. Yeah, it's just kind of there. And it's, I mean, I don't mind it, but there are different, definitely times where it's just like, that really sticks out right there. I, the thing is, the only thing that makes it frustrating for me is I feel like it has all the ingredients to be a really well-balanced show, but right now it's still a little imbalanced when it comes to the storytelling um, mixing with the comedy. Because the reason that critics have a problem with it is that they want this to be a full-blown comedy, particularly because Fox has been promoting Seth Mac- it being Seth MacFarlane's show so much, they have these expectations that are out of whack because ultimately... That's probably why people are like unexpectedly liking it because it was promoted as, you know, like, oh, it's Seth MacFarlane. Zany it's comedy. Gonna, it's going to be zany comedy all the time, and nobody wanted that. But, it's, but like, its, best, <laughs> its best moments are when it's actually quite serious. Yeah, exactly. And that it, like, much like a... a or when a Lara sh- opens a jar of pickles. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay, so I had this, I had this thing. I was going to... Um, I was thinking when I was prepping for this episode, I bought, I brought the bone in the studio and I was like, I know there's something else. I was going to get a jar of pickles and ask you to open it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Doug's like, Doug's making a face it. like I don't nope. It's it's a running gag in the show and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Is it P- Pickle Rick? I'm joke. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, it has nothing to do with pickles. <laughs> yep, never has, probably never will. <laughs> But as far as Star Trek Discovery, oh man, the, uh, the the first two episodes basically combined to make one feature film, yeah, and it looks and feels like it. Yeah, it felt like exactly like a J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, uh, complete with an ab- overabundance of lens flares. But it would have been the like best, way one. too many. I think it would have been so the, many the lens best, flares. The best J.J. Abrams. You Star told Trek me movie. that you didn't see the lens flares. I but did they not are, see them. They were like every three. I seconds. was not. I was basically when I say I didn't see them. And I'm not really exaggerating. My, my eyes witnessed them, but they didn't register to me. I wasn't counting them. I, didn't. I don't know how. Like I, I was you, absorbed in the story. They should have had an epilepsy warning because <laughs> you might have seizures because of the excessive amount of lens flares. But <laughs> they cut that out in episode three, and I'm so glad. Because it it was it, it was a, such a giant point of annoyance for me in the movies and and this first two episodes. Well, I don't know if it's a director change thing or what. The thing about Discovery is that it had it it's had a really bumpy development. So Brian Fuller, the creator of Wonder Falls and um, Pushing Daisies and Dead Like Me and Hannibal, um, he was signed on to the show as a showrunner, uh, and shortly afterwards he was signed on to American Gods as a showrunner. And then very quick, I was like, how the fuck is he going to pull that off? And the answer is, he's not. So he dropped Star Trek for reasons unknown. I think his style is a lot better for American Gods. I agree. Um, But he is still executive producer on this, um, which is generally an honorary title. But you can definitely see his hand in things in the the early work. And he has a story slash script credit for the first episode, which is the first half of this opening feature. Are there any Beastie Boys in it? Uh, no, there's no Beastie Boys. Oh, not yet. Um, but one, one of, I thought the most the most telling like fingerprint of Brian Fuller is the main character who's a human who was raised on Vulcan is seemingly biologically female and her name is Michael. And I'm like, that's that's a really that's a really Brian Fuller thing to do. Yeah, I I think they pointed out how weird that is in episode three. <laughs> like one of the other characters. Was, yeah. One of the characters is like, really? Your name is Michael? You know, like something like that. It's like, not uh, my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've come kind of d- and disappointed they pointed it out because to me that just seemed like, yep, it's the future. No one cares. <laughs> and that that delighted me. I'm kind of bummed by that. But the weird thing is that f- I've only seen the preview for the, se- the the episodes going ahead. And it looks like this opening two episodes has nothing to do with the rest of them. It's all set up yeah. for the situational more television style it's thing. just to give michael backstory basically is is what the first two episodes are and then the ship changes the entire crew changes uh, except for the he was the second in command uh, yes, after her um doug jones um from hellboy yeah uh, the the alien dude they've got doug jones you know I forget his a, character's name because it's very forgettable yeah but i mean he's an amazing character actor and he off because he's so tall and skinny you often see him in creature suits and he's in a heck of a creature suit. In fact, he's one that looks an awful lot like the helmsman from Star Trek, the animated series, but without a third arm in the middle of his chest. But his species, which is a different species, looks almost identical to that race, huh. which I was I delighted by. But um, if you remember our previous discussions about how we thought Star Trek Discovery was going to play out, uh, it's we all of our predictions were pretty pretty accurate, I, I would say. Uh, how they completely mangled the Klingons. They're kind of having a 
uh, lackadaisy attitude when it comes to integrating anything from previous Star Trek. Well, yeah, because the 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 only the most of the problems with Discovery come with this pr- problematic development that I mentioned, which is that when Fuller was attached, they said this show is going to be an anthology show. Every season is going to be different, but it's all going to be set at different points across the original Star Trek continuity. Yeah. And what we have here is very definitively in the new film continuity. The Klingons look completely different, and their culture is completely different. Yeah, their culture is so different, and that that got me really mad. Plus, uh, beyond just like their culture, they don't have the universal translator turned on when they're doing Klingon scenes, so... When the Klingons are speaking, they're speaking in Klingon to the viewer with subtitles. And they have so much shit in their mouth that it sounds like they loaded their mouths full of marbles and they're slowly trying to say Klingon words. And it, it it's not good. I, I hated everything about I every single Klingon scene. did not have a problem with that. I actually liked all the Klingon scenes. But they like, speak really slowly if you watch it. But they're not... The thing is that it's not... This isn't Klingon. This isn't, this isn't any of the Klingon culture that... We know from before. Couldn't it's, they just retcon it with a voiceover dub and be like the Zordargans, and <laughs> you wouldn't know the difference? Oh, yeah, they could. It could easily be a different race. You'd be yeah. like, well, they're more like like the Klingons. Yeah, but, oh, they're like the Klingons, but, but as, not the Klingons. But I mean, the set design, the costume design, everything about them is great. If you can separate this from the expectations of it being original Star Trek, mm-hmm. it becomes a much better show. I just want to know, like, you know, back in the '90s, they knew how to put shit in people's mouths to make them look like they had Klingon teeth and they could speak normally. You know, like, why can't they figure that out now? Watching DS9, that's the one thing that is always surprising me: is all the Ferengi have that weird fucked up teeth, and they talk. But I fine. hear them perfectly. Yes, and they emote. You know, yeah, and, like I can see their face. The it's... Ferengi is a really good example because they had the most screwed up, pointy little teeth. Yeah. Like, how did they put up with having that stuff I in can, their mouth and, and, and speak normally? Don't slur it or nothing. It's like, oh, I speak like this because there's a thing in my mouth. Yeah, it's but just, now Klingons are how, just like, oh. How long did they have to spend in like, the makeup chairs for that show? Or any know. of those shows? I don't know, but they, they knock it out of the park. Actually, that's interesting that you say that because I watched uh, an interview on, well, it was like, I watched it on YouTube, but it was like an old Kathy Lee and Regis interview with the guy that plays Quark, uh, Armin Shimmerman. And uh, they went through like a whole like what his day was like, and it was a stupid amount of time to get him in. Yeah, in, I, think, in makeup. Uh, I think something similar like that, but from Michael Dorn. Yeah, for Worf. Yeah, either of those guys probably just in makeup for hours and hours. But yeah, anyway, back to Discovery. The the, the <laughs> Klingon culture. Um, in if you're a, a Star Trek fan at all, you would know that when a Klingon dies. The body there becomes useless. Useless. Nothing. Yeah. They they're just like it's it's just a, a shell. Throw it away. Throw it away. Yeah. We don't care. And in this new discovery, they are obsessed with collecting their dead and and burying them. Like super obsessed. That's just really weird. Like why would they because, change something so fundamental? Be, about because when their they culture, <laughs> I guess when when the mandate came down from up on high that hey. No, this show has to be in the film continuity. We can't, we can't do this any other way. They're like, all right, so we have to put up with these these Klingons that are clearly different from the second Abrams Star Trek movie. Fine, whatever. Well, okay, that means we get to rewrite the book on the culture. We don't have to worry about the reference material. We don't have to go through all this meticulously crafted like world building stuff. We don't have to go to they could uh, have, they could have just blamed the appearance on a virus or something and then just been done with it. 
I mean, that's kind of what they did before. I think before. they wanted to start from scratch. I think they clearly well, wanted to start from scratch. Why don't they change scratch. the Vulcans? They could have they just gotten a new race, I guess. But yeah. Then it wouldn't have been Star Trek if because this is during... But there's Vulcans They in chose it. a time period where it's Federation versus Klingon. This is all about brand recognition. Yeah. So to the general populace... <laughs> so, so let's change the way the brand looks <laughs> if it's about brand recognition. No, 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 hold on, hold on. You have to think about people who are not... Star Trek nerds. But and everyone... they'll, they'll see someone with dark skin with ridges on their forehead and think, ah, oh, that's a Klingon. Oh, they're telling me that's a Klingon? And they're warlike? Okay, that equals Klingon. All the other nuances that we are obsessing over right now don't matter. And if you showed anyone who never saw Star Trek a picture of Worf and said, what what show is this from? They're going to say, oh, that's Star Trek. And they're like, well, what can you tell me about this? Uh, I guess that's a Klingon. You know, like that's the, the Klingon and, and Kirk and Spock are the three like most common words thrown around by anyone who's never seen Star that Trek. sounds like an interesting experiment that we should do someday. Go down, <laughs> we'll go downtown Orlando. We'll say, take what, a couple of this? pictures. Yeah. Only I would like, say like we, should pick, we should pick Gowron, I think, instead. But Gowron? Yeah, it's a lesser known Klingon. I well, guess. But, okay, then you said, what species is this? Like, yeah, yeah this, like, oh, I guess that's a, I guess that's a Klingon, you know, because it's like, We've seen it for like 30 fucking years, you know? So now suddenly yeah. it's like, what's this? Oh, that's is that from Star Trek? I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know. No, they're, they're, they might they might say Klingon because it's... If it's, they get CBS uh, streaming No, no, access. no, because it's a person with dark skin with ridges on their head. That's all the general populace know. A warlike person with dark skin and ridges on their head and now they're all is bald. a Klingon. They don't have hair anymore. No, no one was ever focused on the hair to begin with. They're just it's just the, the Klingons were. <laughs> yeah, they they put it in braids. I'm and, saying you know, we care, and no one else cares. That's what I, like I'm pr- I'm certain about this. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I mean, but, but I don't I think mean, it's right beyond but, beyond the nerd details uh, of Star Trek Discovery. The other thing is that the the whole feel of everything is completely different. Like everything's darker. Everything's more serious. It's um, a war show. Yeah, it's 100 percent like. I don't know the war bits of it. It DS9 has the same feel. To, it has a similar feel to like Battlestar Galactica. Mm, D- yeah. Deep Space Nine is too light. <laughs> it's too too fun for for to compare to this. Um, yeah, it's just very drama intensive. But um, back to the the third episode and how that changed my mind. Uh, the first two episodes, I was like, I don't know this. This is I don't. This doesn't feel right. Uh, and there wasn't, it just didn't feel like they were tapping into enough of the Star Trek universe and they were just kind of rewriting all the rules and making their own thing. And I was just like, well, how how does this relate to anything? But the third episode, it, uh, she, Michael got taken to the Star Trek, uh, or the Starship Discovery Mm -hmm. and, um, you got introduced to this whole new crew and, and there's a little bit of a, a MacGuffin for her to get integrated into the crew (laughs) And it's they started to tap into uh, some some darker, more interesting, like deep level Star Trek stuff. Uh, like I think Section Thirty One is being introduced, which is it wasn't a very big theme in any of the other Star Trek shows, but it definitely had its veins in uh, Deep Space Nine. You'll probably run into some of that a little bit later, and, and then, it was in Into Darkness as well. Yes, it was in, in Into Darkness, and also Enterprise had a little bit of it. Um, but and Section 31 is basically uh, the black ops of Starfleet. Like, anything that they need done, but they don't want to adhere to the Prime Directive, or they don't want anybody to know that they are doing these things, they use Section 31. Uh, anytime uh, 
they'll experiment with like illegal technology and stuff like that. Um, I believe in Next Generation, the Pegasus ship was probably handled by Section 31. That was the one that had a phasing cloak that was able to Stuck go in invisible. Or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. able to go invisible and fly Riker through had things. To over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Riker had a big. Uh, his former captain or something. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. That that was likely a Section Thirty One thing, um, but I don't think it's that big of a spoiler since it's mainly my own speculation. But I believe the Discovery is a Section Thirty One ship, which is unheard of in a Star Trek show, and it would be completely awesome. It would be. You just have to accept, like everything else of the show, you have to accept that this is the new film canon, and so any anything can be spun on its head at any given point in time. True. True. Um, but they started to kind of give you a better idea of what the show is going to be like. Um, and and I really liked the direction they were going. You just have to accept that, all right, this isn't going to be normal Star Trek. You know, once you get that through your head, then it's enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> but, I had to convince myself the same thing for watching DS9. Really? Yeah. I'm Why? just like, I'm like, well, this is, this is, this is, I mean, the first darker. season, the first season's kind of lame. Like, I'm, right. not, I'm not going to defend the first season right. of Deep Space Nine too hard. But. Just, well, I just had to convince myself of like, okay, look, I really liked the original. I really liked Next Gen. And so far, this is like way more, I don't want to say it's way more political, but it was definitely way more drama like yeah. between the people. And to me, this Star Trek that I had, everything Star Trek I had seen was more about the, exploration this isn't really about exploration it's, it's still episodic but it there's more right there's more story threads that sure. continue through the show sure. and and that'll increase as as you and that's progress. yeah and that's and it's gotten better towards the end with knowing the characters more and seeing them change and like okay this is we're, we're picking up steam so this like that's all fine and good but for the first half of the season i was just like all right they're just sort of sitting here and uh, oh wormhole opens Weird thing comes out. Oh, attention, unidentified vessel. Uh, <laughs> you're approaching Bajor and Federation. It's like, oh, I'm a weird alien. And I'm, I, are you on the run? I don't know. What is it? And then, <laughs> then it's like, oh, then, oh, look, a Klingon ship just came back. It blows up. <laughs> it's just like, what happened? Oh, someone's trying to kill the Klingon. I don't know. It's like, every, every, it's, it, I'm seeing how. They're like, oh, they're not on the Enterprise. They can't go out exploring, so weird shit has to come to them. Thank goodness there's a wormhole. Anything can just flush out, you know, just just <laughs> come on out of the wormhole whenever you need something weird to have happen. So, I don't know. I just feel like it was more. It's don't more get convenient. too used to that, cause... right? It, well, it's it just feels convenient as opposed yeah. to the the Enterprise. It's its job, like it's expected for weird shit to happen every week because they're actively well it's also it. i mean you have to keep in in mind that the wormhole was just recently discovered sure yeah. as of as of the beginning of actually it, it was discovered like right at the beginning yeah and that it? was the, yeah they, and then they moved it, yeah. they moved the space station to be closer Over, to it yeah yeah um so i mean yeah i mean if you discover a new wormhole like that that goes to a completely different quadrant of space people are gonna want to go through it yeah but then so, people I mean, start that makes coming sense. through the other end too and stuff and it's just you know News travels, yeah, <laughs> across across the Delta Quadrant really fast. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's yeah, it's uh, isn't it just, the Gamma Quadrant? Which it, it, it takes Delta Quadrant Delta is was Voyager. Voyager. I don't know which one. Whatever, it goes to the across the galaxy. <laughs> Gamma Quadrant because Alpha Quadrant and Beta Quadrant are ones that Starfleet can normally go to. Either way, the the the, the idea was I had to tell myself, okay, look, this might not be. This might not be the kind of storytelling that I'm used to, mm -hmm. but let's see where it goes. And the more I just sort of let it, 
run its course, it was like, oh, this is okay. Never mind. This is Star Trek. This has fallen into that thing. It's not. It's not changing continuity. <laughs> you know, it's not like um, it's not drastically doing anything that different. At least not yet. Just wait till the Enterprise shows up. Has that happened yet? They had it had like once or twice already, but it's oh, like okay. I mean, it's Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Be more. I mean, they've already. You know, it happens again. Yeah. <laughs> I still hate the Bajorans. Good old Tom Riker will show up. <laughs> Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I heard about that. A <laughs> uh, couple quick updates about stuff here on the Nerdy Show Network. The first episode of Nerdy FM is now out. Nerdy FM, of course, was our streaming nerd music online station, and. We had to close up shop on that, but it lives again in podcast form. It's going to be coming every month, hosted by Mark with a C, and it is a collection of the best of nerd music, new stuff, old stuff, rare stuff, all genres, nerdcore, rock and roll, comedy, VGM, chiptunes, everything in between. So you should definitely check out that first episode if you're looking for a playlist of awesome music. And also, I believe this will have happened Rumor has it that by the time you're hearing this episode, a new trailer for The Last Jedi has been released and tickets are on sale now. So if everything goes according to plan, myself, Doug, and Matt will be doing an emergency State of the Empire recording, giving our reactions on that trailer. And then we hope to resume State of the Empire releases quickly after that. As you know from listening to this show, our summer's been a bit nuts. There's been travel as well for Matt, and so State of the Empire has been very bumpy to happen. But my God, I have a pile of Star Wars notes. We got so much Star Wars to talk about. So now, let's give some shout-outs to the awesome folks who make this entire network possible. You find people on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash nerdyshow... You can join up with us. Even a dollar a month makes a world of difference, and you get a ton of perks in return. Outtakes, early releases, all yours at a dollar, and then even more of that good stuff at $5 or, or more. All of our, our any new content that we create is yours. And there's plenty of other perks. For example, shout-outs. We have one here from Scott John Harrison, who uh, sent me this shout-out just before we released our prior episode of Nerdy Show, not knowing that it was already something we're talking about. So we're just going to double up on this good news, and that is that the Grammar Club, a nerd music supergroup, is back, 
and starting a Patreon, uh, which is live now. They're putting out a song a week from the various members. That's at patreon.com slash grammar club. And the grammar club are uh, Beefy, Shell Riley, and the Double Ice Backfire, Glenn Case, Ailshawn. The first new Grammar Club song in five years is out now, as well as a new track from Beefy. Um, there's an exclusive podcast, the Patreon. They put out some unreleased demos and all their, at certain levels, you can get access to all of their prior releases from all of these artists as well. So uh, if you're looking for a Patreon that spits out awesome music, that is one to hit up. Now, another way you can help support us is by shopping on Amazon. And, uh, well, our pal Cerebral Paladin, what a pal he is, <laughs> loves to write in and tell us the things that he bought on Amazon that support Nerdy Show. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, follow our links, and anything you purchase will give back to us. He says, purchased the following. Oversized mouse pad. Kung Fu graphic novel. Nerdy video game artwork for a man cave. All gifts for friends whose parents were obviously in a good spirit for the new year and led to their late September, early October births. <laughs> Best of all, I am also able to gift some of my good tidings to the Nerdy Show crew. Keep up the good work. What What is an oversized mouse pad? They're like, giant. Like, like they go under your keyboard and then extend out of the it's side. It's like a body pillow, but for your mouse. <laughs> Isn't it a keyboard pad at that point? No, it's a giant mouse pad. You don't need a. It's pad like a. For it's a placemat for your workspace. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but I mean, the the point is that you have a giant area to use your mouse on instead of like being restricted to a oh, tiny right. little. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can I get one with my waifu on it? Yeah. Probably. Sure. <laughs> if there's anything I've Who's learned over the dog? years <laughs> is that you can get anything you want on a mouse pad. Yeah, Doug. This is the 21st century. You're not limited to the choices at Office Depot anymore. Oh, great. You can get hardcore pornography on your mouse pad if you want these days. I, I don't think work would appreciate that. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas now. <laughs> Candy corn. <laughs> no, you bastard. <laughs> for Christmas. That's awful. Maybe one of the worst. It's like, just can you give me the crappy coal candy instead instead of the candy corn? No. You know, just for that, Doug, circus peanuts. Ooh. Even worse. <laughs> it's a doorstop. <laughs> I've never tried that, but I bet it works. Yeah. I'm sure it does. <laughs> now, if you don't have any money to throw away, not even a dollar, uh, you still can support us via free methods. For example, rating and reviewing this show on iTunes. And folks, we haven't had a new review on iTunes or a rating for that matter since June. Come on. These uh, ratings and reviews, they help us pick up heat on iTunes, which is still the number one marketplace for people getting a hold of podcasts we got some more on on uh, pod chaser though yes we'll be so talking about good. we'll be talking about pod chaser soon pod chaser we believe to be the future but itunes still has the market share so if you can put in the time and i understand itunes is a hassle and they make you jump through a lot of stupid hoops we would really appreciate it um but but there is one show on the nerdy show network that has been getting an awful lot of love even though it's not currently coming out so uh can uh, can you please unload on the iTunes reviews for Ghostbusters Resurrection, Doug? Yeah, this is like I feel bad now. <laughs> you should. Uh, uh, I should. No, I should, and I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so here here's an iTunes review titled "Surprisingly Good" by Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be trash, <laughs> but surprisingly good by Joe <laughs> because it's just a bunch of Z's like he's snoring. Uh, so it, maybe it's just Joe Zizi's. Zizi, Zizi, nah, whatever. Okay, so Joe. Joe says, 
I have to admit, I wasn't that excited at the idea of listening to a Ghostbusters themed podcast. Oh, okay, this makes more sense now. <laughs> but a friend of mine talked me into it, and I'm so glad that they did. The GM does a fantastic job of waving smaller, weaving smaller episodes into a larger narrative. I met that guy once. Yeah, and the players are really creative and fun to listen to. Tobin is the best. P.S. I have now put together my own beach kit. Smirnoff Ice for the win. Did you write this, Doug? No. <laughs> the GM is also very No, but, uh, but, but the Smirnoff Corporation did write it and asked us to read it. <laughs> they, this is what you call viral marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was another one uh, titled So Much Fun. And, by, and this name is going to be difficult. It's, I believe it's Yeshua Masiak. Masiak. Masiak? Joshua, you know what? Yeshua, just, 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 if you can just email us the phonetic proper way to pronounce this. <laughs> then, then we won't correct it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Yeshua says, I hope the hiatus ends soon because I have so much fun listening to you guys play this game. My two sons listen with me, and we ordered the game to play ourselves. That's adorable. And yeah. I've got I've got I, another one. Oh, hold hold uh, on. I got I got oh, I got oh, I got to give some setup for that. But yeah. uh but first of all, uh if you go to nerdyshow.com/gbrpg, you can get a hold of our custom-made equipment cards, ghost dice, etc. so you yourself can play the Ghostbusters role-playing system. A uh, spiritual necessity, you might say, while suffering from the lack of Ghostbusters resurrection. But we did we did start recording episodes again at the mm-hmm. very least. But recording them and doing sound design for them are very different things. So, um, but you're right. You're right, Boar. We do have another one. But yeah. this, this comes from Pod Chaser. Okay. And this one is from Utorio. And they write, I like to consider this podcast Ghostbusters canon. Ooh. It perfectly captures the essence and fun that is Ghostbusters. This is one of the few podcasts I am always caught up on. Now, Pod Chaser... Podchaser is a platform engineered for podcast discovery. They're in a public beta right now. You should totally get on there. You don't have to give them your credit card information or anything like iTunes. You can just get there and you can very quickly rate your favorite podcasts, review things, and add tags so they'll be searchable and you'll be able to discover more. They've also thrown away iTunes tagging systems. So like society and culture is one category for podcasts. And they're like, fuck it. Society and culture are two categories. And you can search even deeper based on the tags that are entirely uh, listener inputted. I hear it's the iTunes killer. <laughs> you hear that because you coined that. I don't yes. think they say that about themselves, but Doug, you've said that many times. <laughs> I'll about be happy them. to say it about them. <laughs> we are currently number twenty on the uh, podcast charts on Podchaser. We used to be much higher than that, so please do keep up with the ratings and reviews. However, there's if you you got to click around to get to that overall ranking of how many people have like rated or reviewed a show. But what they have first and foremost are episode rankings. So when you hear an episode that you like, like hopefully this one, please do hop on over to Podchaser and give it some stars or give it a review or add some tags if you have some extra time. But it seems as though what's going to make the most difference for us on Podchaser is rating and reviewing episodes specifically and that's one of the great things about it is that a standout episode will be uplifted so we can do a show that we've say years back like nerd casting the multiverse our april fool's day episode from a year ago we love that show and uh people tend to tell us they love it too so that show even though it's over a year ago 
won't be lost in obscurity. It could become our highest rated episode, and that would be very easy for people to discover. All the best stuff rises to the top. Yes, exactly. So do go back in the back catalogs if you got a little bit of time. And if you do that, let us know. And we do re- read reviews when we can, uh, when we find them. Sometimes we got to go back too far, but feel free to email us or whatever. Like it's, we'll we'll be happy to give shoutouts. We did get uh, one new review from uh, Milkman Luke who says about Nerdy Show: thoughtful, fun, and plenty of variety. Oh, do you think he's a dairy farmer or he delivers milk like an old style? Well, at this mm-hmm. at this rate, probably both. Oh. you know, like it's all in one, you know, business. Local, local raw milk delivery. I think oh. that's what Milkman Luke is up okay. to. Is that or could that be a reference to uh, the old all that skits? I uh, I didn't have cable growing up, so you'll have to tell me, Doug. Is Super <laughs> it's Dude, the Dave Super, Chappelle skit. Yeah, Super Dude versus uh, I think it was the Milkman. Dave Chappelle was on all that. No, no, no. <laughs> he had his own Milkman skit. Oh, that was very that was a very different one. Yeah, it was very but different. Mil- the, but Super Dude, he was lactose intolerant, so Milkman was his arch nemesis. That might, for some reason that makes me think it was a Keenan and Kel. Well, it was Keenan was was Super Dude. Well, they were on all that. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> you know, Ghostbusters getting all these reviews. There hasn't been um, much for for D and D, even though we're on hiatus too. But we no, did... are you looking at you looked right at me as if it's my fault. Like, <laughs> like it's like, hey Doug, what's up with the reviews? Your like, show's I don't know. Doug, your show's too good. <laughs> Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> But we did get one. We got one great uh, pod pod chaser review from Foz Entertainment. Why do you make me feel things, Dungeons and Doritos? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you play with my heartstrings and give cool stories and meaningful audio drama D and D play? Why? I love you. Don't ever stop doing what you're doing, even if you have to do side stories one day to fill gaps. Uh, we would love to have the uh, the spare time and resources to do those those side stories, but uh, alas, um, nothing yet. However. Uh, hopefully we'll be recording the D&D Q&A soon. Lefty was doing a bunch of traveling. She's only just now back in New Orleans, and she's planning on moving to Los Angeles. So we got to find a, a good window do, to do that. Cap, you could be a, a DM, and we'll just do a one party of one game where it's just a prequel story about Bogo. <laughs> I'll just sit across the table. You tell me what happens, and Bogo will react, and it'll fill the gap. Uh, you know, Bor and I have characters we want to play too, Doug. <laughs> I just want... It's like, <laughs> completely completely take it over it's like no 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 it's the bogo show now well uh uh, uh i would love to do that but um of course we, oh we could bring we, those characters in bring your guys's characters in on the bogo i, I would I, don't don't let your mouth write checks we cannot cash doug i would i would love to do that but we, we have to put a ton of effort into the production for call of cthulhu and also oh, get star wreck out yeah, finally so those, those are the priorities right now and those are already recorded so yeah shit. yeah yeah we, we got a lot of work to do a lot Anyway, anyway, back to a uh, fun topical conversation. Matt, why are Megabots playing with their hearts right now? I don't know. So did you guys know that the fight happened? The big, the gi- giant, the giant Megabot robot fight. fight. The first giant robot fight in the world. It happened already. Why didn't we see it? You would have thought that it would be like televised and there'd be like, you know, a lot of oh, marketing. Oh, yeah. And then well, it'd be happening in I, a giant soccer field somewhere. They kicked everything off June of 2015. With the video that was the unveiling of the Mark II mm-hmm. and their challenge to Suidobashi for the duel. And I should say, if you're unfamiliar with this giant robot battle, it is like we're about to get some some deep info about it. It is incredible. And we did do an interview with them back then that we'll link to on this episode's page. I think it was in July 2015. Yeah. Sometime, it was like shortly after they issued the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then July of 2015, Suidobashi accepted their challenge 
via another YouTube video. And then after that, everything was like super high visibility, like videos and yeah. pictures. Did, did and they make like an online reality show about them building yeah, the, the robot? Yeah, they did. Yeah. It's seven episodes. Well, still, it's like yeah. it's a show you watch. You know, they have a comic book that is the story of them like <laughs> founding the company and building the Mark One, which was actually really just like a torso on a trailer that right. scavenged parts from to build the Mark Two, like a potato cannon on it. Yeah. And then you know they did a Kickstarter in August of 2015 that was they raised five hundred thousand dollars for upgrading the Mark Two, which they ultimately ended up building an entirely new robot the mark three which has been named eagle prime and like i said everything leading up to it has been like really really you know high visibility um you know hype building marketing like you know get everybody excited for this thing and like really well documenting the process and then i think it was like april or may of this year they announced hey the fight's going to be in september and then you know, ever then the big focus was like, oh, here's the Mark III robot, right? And you know, showing it around and you know everything. And then, uh, I think it was like very beginning of September, they were like, hey, by the way, we're back from the fight. And I mean, we we full expected not only just to for it to be streamed, but we were prepared to you know, go as press to wherever it was happening. Yeah, like you th- you think they'd say, all right, the, well, the date's been picked. Three weeks from now, See, it's they, going down. They had you to, know? initially they did, like, okay, a year from now. So it was supposed to initially happen last year, but uh-huh. they had to bump the date back because uh, transporting two giant robots ended up being a lot more uh, complicated than they right. initially thought, just right. because... There's actually international laws about transporting giant robots, even though they don't exist yet. Or oh, had. okay. So, you know, the logistics of organizing the event made it take longer than they initially thought. And I understand a lot of the, like, you know, liability and safety issues and the logistical issues just from, like, j- transporting the robots for sure, but actually setting up the recording equipment and, like, a lo- to, mm-hmm. to be able to live stream this thing. Full production, yeah. And, you know... I understand that stuff, but you put all of this effort into the the hype and the showmanship of leading fight, into this fight. fight, fight. It's all about and the fight. And then, oh, you guys will get a video of it later. Here, here's yeah, because like you think they could have sold that to like some network, you know, like well, hype this up like BattleBots, you know. Yeah. Well, and and they they fully ex- anticipate that the giant robot sport and will yeah, become that's a thing. Their and, goal is to build a giant robot fighting league. Here's here's what I think happened. Well, and if I, you and, don't generate enough hype, you're not going to get that. Yeah, well, and and having and and being able to show that it can be a spectator sport is another thing entirely. Now they said they filmed the fight over several days. Several days because they had multiple rounds, which is kind of because the thing was supposed to be a fight to the death, right? You know, for the robot. So, you know, if you have multiple rounds that you didn't destroy the robot in one go. So I, I think the reason they took it behind closed doors was that it became apparent that they needed to uh, that the fight was not going to be as seamless as they hoped it would be, that it would be a bad spectator sport and that they would if it was live streamed, the criticism from, oh, my God, I can't believe they have to like reset this up or like they have to do a retake or there's all these delays would be worse than the criticism of, oh, surprise, it happened, and here's a video. Well, yeah, I mean, they don't even live stream BattleBots. I mean, 
Right. I mean, but there is an audience there. They film yeah. it with an audience. That's true. And there was no audience here. And they, I think they were also worried about um, liability and danger. And I, I get I get why they did it, but it is, is shocking it, and di- yeah. very disappointing. Yeah, that's I'm I'm same boat. It's you know I get I understand a lot of the reasons you know likely reasons for why it happened this way, but for all of the like you said the showmanship that went into building this thing as this you know event, and for the payout to be you get a video later is kind of right because i mean so what are we supposed to do we're gonna when it when the video comes out we're gonna all like like gather around a tv and pretend that it's happening live and it's a spectator sport it's a spectator sport it's giant robots fighting i have i'd be i'd be more thrilled uh you know watching pacific rim 2 i think because i don't know what's going to happen i mean i guess we still know what's going to happen but like it's not the same i I don't Mm -hmm. wait you know the plot of pacific rim 2 already well i mean i saw the trailer but uh, there's a trailer? Yeah, it came out with Blade Runner, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah mon- monsters out come out of the ocean. And two, three days ago. <clears throat> oh. We'll link to the trailer on this episode's Did, page. Spoiler alert, Doug. God, I haven't seen it yet. Did um Charlie did they, Hunnam's not in the second movie. Did they say where the fight took place? No, they did not. They announced, I can't remember exactly when, because one of the things I did this morning for prepping for the episode was going through their Facebook page, which is where most of the announcements right. and whatnot have, have come from. And it was sometime last year, I'm pretty sure. They secured the venue and the location for it, which was another, like, one of the reasons why it took longer than they thought to actually set everything up. But for security reasons, they never announced exactly where it took place. I mean, even after the fact? They they still haven't said yet where it actually happened at. I was like, I just had such high hopes of just, like, all right, two months from now, at Midway, we yeah. are having a f- robot fight. It's going to be, a, we're going to empty the island yeah, of the, all you know, life. The very first so video, like, they come out, you know, they've got their aviators and their American wearing, flag yeah, capes, the American and they're flag, like, yeah. we're fucking America, we challenge yeah. you, you know, blah, blah, you know. The, the, so I the mean, I'm sure thing. they're bummed about it, too, but but it's it does suck. It sucks yeah. that they couldn't figure out how to do it the right way, and I guess they probably figured there'd been enough delays already, but... Or even a little like teaser video, like cell phone footage of the fight happening. All we have a, is a still. Yeah, I just want I want like one big punch and just be like, it's happened, and the video's coming soon. That would at least give you something to nibble on and be like excited. Oh, so for. they punched? They didn't have any railguns attached to them or anything. They said it had to be ha- had to be melee combat. Well, no, oh, okay. no, no, they're, no, no. They're, yeah, it's both. Yeah, it's, they had oh, it's ranged and melee weapons. Um, oh. Swidubashi in their reply to the challenge was like, you know, we got to do this right. We got to make it, it interesting. Include, it's yeah. got to have melee. Because the Mark II had like a big paintball cannon and then kind of like basically like a multi-missile launcher type tube deal that I don't think actually fired anything, but unless it was smaller paint rounds. Hmm. Why would it shoot paint? Because uh, it's all conceptual still. And and they're still shooting paint at the from the one still we've seen so far. Really? Yeah. But is there I, a pilot inside of yes, one? Yes, there is. Yeah. Uh, so you, if you can blind it. With the paint, okay, yeah, this, well, the, that, um, that makes more sense, I guess. The Kuratos, which is the Japanese robot, has one pilot, and the uh, Eagle Prime has two. A pilot, but and a I guess if you showed uh, showed it off that you had a paint launcher ahead of time, that would give the other team time to install windshield wipers. <laughs> Did they though? <laughs> we'll have to find out. Know. We'll have to find out. Yeah, we have no da- we have no dates for anything yet. We don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, they, I don't. They haven't made any kind of announcements about when we're actually going to get the video of the event and is it i guess you know it's still just a step in the process towards you know robot fighting league i mean if they were smart the way that it would have happened is 
the Japanese team would have built a steam-based robot that had a giant EMP in it, and then they would have just <laughs> shot that at the beginning and then beat the crap out of the American one, and it would have been over. And then there'd be the treaties uh, that forbid EMP technology at yeah. the uh, in the fights. And no yeah. steam robots. Yeah. No, <laughs> no steam bots. <laughs> Gypsy danger. And there's one analog. Then there's one they made. They got to wind it up like a clock. It's got just got cogs and springs inside. <laughs> Uh, that was the most annoying thing about Pacific Rim. Gypsy Danger being quote unquote analog. Yeah, with yeah. the complicated computer that's melding their brains together. Yeah, that, that, no, there's no way that that's vulnerable to EMP. Yep, totally analog, bro. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, well, it's got a nuclear reactor. Okay, what's generating the power for the other ones? Like, it's all electricity. <laughs> okay, and. But hey, folks, I saw fucking Blade Runner, and it was great. There was so much that could have gone wrong. Blade Runner like didn't need a sequel. Uh, Ridley Scott has I I I love him, but he's turned into a hack. He didn't direct this. Uh, Denny Villeneuve did, who did Arrival, and holy shit! Turns out that dude's a visionary director. Hmm. This was a people run on ice skates, right? That's what? what's happening. What ice skates? Blow Blade Runner. No, this is not the speed skating film of your dreams. I'm not sure that's been made yet. Maybe that uh, Will Ferrell comedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, okay, so and they sever somebody's head in that movie with the uh, the blade on their <laughs> ice skates. Is that that? Is Doug the only person who's seen Blade Runner? Yeah. What? I've never seen Blade Runner. I've never seen the original or the new one. Well, I haven't seen the new one, but I've seen the original. I saw the 20 minute. Semi-okay animation that Cap showed us before we came in here. There, um, leading up to this film, Blade Runner 2049, there are three short films, uh, two live-action directed by Luke Scott and one uh, anime directed by Wantanabe from um, Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo, uh, which is, that one is 15 minutes. It's great. Um, all of them are, add really cool, well, two are, are better than, than the one, but there's, um, they all add a little bit of extra backstory to things, not necessary at all for enjoying the film. The film stands alone very, very well. Uh, and the, you know, the, the original film, it was such a defining moment in cinema, cinematography, and science fiction. It's something that people will never forget. And a sequel could never be that. There's been few sequels that have been able to, to really like reinvent themselves. The only one that trumped its former installments at all was Fury Road to Mad Max. And while while this could never trump the cinematic spectacle of the original film, it did return to that space in equal measure and showed, in so far as uh, story concepts, a bunch of new facets that are you know unnecessary in the grand scheme of things. But as far as like earning the right to have another Blade Runner film and telling a new unique story that plays on those same themes and develops that out more, one hundred percent qualified. Hmm. And the reason I'm, I'm making a point of mentioning this is, you know, whereas only half of our crew have seen it, is just for any of you who are who are curious about it and worried about it being a cash in or anything to that effect. Certainly, it is, but it is earned. It's 100% an earned sequel that does that does good work. There's some there's some holes, but they might be intentional holes. I have questions, but you always had questions with Blade Runner. There are many many questions about Blade Runner that really only in modern history, after the final version of the director's cut was released and everything, do we really have any kind of extra details on right and uh and there's a lot in this movie that is implied rather than told so there's still plenty of room for that uh the mystery of what is and isn't in Mm. terms of blade runner 
even if you haven't seen the first movie, I think there's probably a lot for you, but it's certainly it's it is a sequel. It has like it is very not just via the presence of Harrison Ford in this movie, but it is very tethered to that. Uh Harrison Ford is so much better in this movie than he was in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Force he Awakens. He gave a fuck. <laughs> he he did give a fuck. You could tell like you this could is tell this... in Force Awakens and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull he did not give a but fuck. But he he gives a genuine fuck in this film and he's not in much of it, but what he's in is great. And there's like there's so many visually memorable sequences in this. I think it's really like this movie is really important. It's probably the best film of the year or it's a, it's a contender. It's top 5 material. There's some neat shit in this movie. Because there's lots I could say about that new film that I have not said at all. Anyway, on to video games. I got a SNES Classic. It's great. But here's why. When I say I got the SNES Classic, what I normally tell people is, oh, I bought my copy of Star Fox 2. Because the SNES Classic. Yeah, the SNES Classic, it costs about as much. It costs actually less than what Star Fox 2 would have cost when it came out on the Super Nintendo, if it ever came out. But it didn't. Star Fox 2 never came out. Star Fox 2 is developed to near completion, and they're like, shit. We got this Nintendo 64 thing coming out, and it's going to blow these quote-unquote 3D graphics out of the water. Let's just shelve this, take our favorite ideas, um, and make a new Star Fox for like the second or third year of the uh, development or the release cycle for Nintendo 64. So this game, it got it got shown off at game shows back in the 90s. It got featured in magazines. It's and, incredibly impressive. And it never came out. Yeah. Star Fox 2 is amazing, and it is weird as hell. So, all you folks have played Star Fox, right? Yes. I played Star Fox 2. You played Star Fox 64? No! I played Star Fox 64 for a little bit, yeah. So, Star Fox 2 is like such a stepping stone to what we got in Star Fox 64. Star Fox 64 was a, a remake in many ways of the original Star Fox. Which Do a barrel roll. I was about to say that. Use bombs <laughs> wisely. Press Z for a somersault or whatever. <laughs> um, anyway. I can't let you do that, Fox. <laughs> Star Fox 64 had uh, 3D arena spaces that you were doing battle in. In addition to the point A to point B fighter battles through a world of the original game. Well, weirdly, <laughs> Star Fox 2 doesn't have any of those classic Star Fox style levels at all. It actually has more in the way of these 3D arenas on it. Super Nintendo cartridge. This thing must have, when it came out, it must have, it would have been in the most expensive tier for what Super Nintendo cards could cost because they would uh, scale in how much they cost based on what kind of hardware had to be in the cart, which is why RPGs were so expensive because you had to pay for the battery backup. So I can only imagine this would have been probably a $99 game, which would have been insane back then. I still can't imagine how they were able to squeeze it onto a cartridge for a Super Nintendo because it it is like a demo for an N64 game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Insane. Um it okay, so there was a there was a Star Fox game called Star Fox Armada for the DS and it's not very good. It's way too fucking hard. And that combines the Star Fox gameplay with a certain degree of real-time strategy in that there are battles happening, like the world is being attacked and you have to pick and choose where and how you're going to whittle down enemy defenses and try to stop things before basically the mothership comes and blasts everything to hell. This is that on a galactic scale. So Andros is out at the other corner of the Lilat system, and you're there in Canaria at the middle as usual, and there's six planets in the solar system. So all of a sudden, three of those six planets gets a Andros base installed on it. There's two huge cruisers that appear, and there's also 
uh, squadrons of fighters that are all heading towards Corneria, the home planet of the Lilat system. Corneria has a satellite defense mechanism in place and also a percentage of damage it can take. It will be taking damage throughout the entire game and you have to go and you have to choose where you're going to fight your battles. Like, are you going to pick off the squad that's heading down there? Are you going to try to hope that that satellite defense system is going to be able to take care of it? Are you, um, you have to get to the planetary installations so that they won't be able to launch planetary missiles, which will take off like 50% of the 100% of, of damage that Corneria can sustain. So, and, and they'll be, General Pepper will be calling you in with updates while you're in a mission and caution you about things. So you might have to leave a level with the threat of redoing it all over again to go, like, solve this problem. And be like, there's a missile launch that's heading right for us. And you're like, ah, shit. You mean, you're literally in the middle of a dogfight. This is Star Fox 2 or this Star is Fox okay. 2. Yeah. This is, this is a game on the Super Nintendo. It's crazy. And it's vi- the learning curve is pretty steep. It's hard. But um, I've played it four times now. I lost twice. And then the third and fourth times I was able to, to beat it on normal and I'm hard so used difficulty. to time not mattering. Yeah, I mean, and you're not you're not timed, but it's a little bit of strategy because you have to think about how long it takes you to fly from a planet to where the 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 problem is happening. Well, right, but like you know, you're playing a game like Zelda or something, and and there's this giant threat, that, right? You know, and, and they're like doom. they're like, oh god, everything's go- you gotta go save the world, quick help! But you can stop and fish; it's fine. Just- well, right, <laughs> and, and, and 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 Jess and I have been joking a lot about uh, Breath of the Wild and how they're like, all right, you gotta save Zelda, but you know what? You also could do you also could uh, access all 120 shrines. Like go find all 563 Korok seeds. Like, yeah, get all the golden poops or whatever. The, there's like- <laughs> there's so much a sense of urgency and uh, and yet it's not real. In this game, it is 100 real. If you don't, if you <laughs> you will fuck up so easily. And it's amazing for that. So all the levels, like I said, there's no like flying from point A to point B flying level, which is a bummer because I love those levels. And Star Fox 64 made the right decision by combining those levels with the other style levels. And all these levels in Star Fox 2 are actually quite short. And at first it'd be like, well, that wasn't even remotely as satisfying as what I expect from Star Fox. What, what gives? And then you realize, oh, no. I could have done that level at any point in time, and I'm so glad it was short. Because if it wasn't short, I didn't stand a chance in hell of ever beating this game. It would have been impossible. I have that problem with Elder Scrolls games, too. I mean, I really like them, but there's that whole... You hit that point where it's just like world threat that you need to go deal with. But hold on a minute. I'm going to go become Grandmaster of the Thieves Guild and the Fighters (laughs) Guild and the Mages College. Now I'm ready. And then I might go do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do a save state on the... the, uh, SNES classic, but like, but really, this game was made to be played straight through. Can you do it? It is a gauntlet, and for that, wow! I mean, it's crazy. This is this short is a great answer. Game. No, long <laughs> answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like it, and and Star Wolf is in it. Uh, this is the the debut of Star Wolf, as well as two new characters from Star Fox Squadron that never appeared in any other continuity. Um, Does he make Fox take off his pants? What? Fox Don't remember that cartoon? I I I've heard you got metal legs. <laughs> I, I I love Fox in Space, but I've only seen it once. Um, not enough to meme it in the jokes. Uh, I hope I sincerely hope the Fox Fox in Space team uses some of this extra stuff as as fodder. I would love to see the new characters Faye and Miu, um, in in the show. Uh, Faye is a dog lady, and Miu is a lynx lady. Um, I guess Mew, a. Mew. a multiversal uh ancestor of cat from star fox 64 perhaps uh who is falco's like ex-love interest 
What about Crystal? <laughs> well, Crystal's still on Dino Planet, presumably. You know, she only got off that planet because uh, Fox rescued her, I guess, kind of. You two know so much more about Star Fox than I ever will. <laughs> I've never played any of the games. I just know references. Oh, you know way more than I do. <laughs> How can you watch the cartoon without playing the game? Cap put it in the lounge or something. I don't remember. <laughs> it's a good cartoon. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I hope I've been the internet has informed me that there will be more SNES classics in the world than the prior debacle with the NES classic. Weren't they going to make them not rare? They they allegedly in early by early next year they will be not rare, allegedly. All of them or just the SNES? I think they said all of them. I think they said all of them, yeah. Hmm. Um but is there a way to get more games on them? No. no. You could hack them. Oh, well. I mean, the answer is if you want if you want more games on them, and there's... I mean, Most of those games you could have bought on the Nintendo eShop. You know, bu- yeah, buy, if you want to do that, you get a, you buy a Raspberry Pi, you load it up with emulators, and then you never shut up about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, or, like, or get a get a secondhand Wii and plug like a, a some kind of SD card in there with some kind of program on it and rock and roll, whatever you want to do. And if you do, and if you do that, then you can take the controllers... Or that, do you have a computer? Yeah. Yeah, I have a computer. <laughs> Well, there you go. And if you just want the, the control in your hand, there's plenty of options. But this thing's great. Uh, I Pro tip, use the CRT filter for Star Fox. The other games don't need it. But Star Fox, both games, were designed on CRT monitors for CRT monitors. And I got to say, the polygons do not look great without that filter. But you apply that on there, and it is perfect. But it's also, you know, it's also one of the best collections of video games of that era, you know, ever compiled under one official release. Yeah, like Super Castlevania Four is on there. I made you play that for a little while. Yeah, it was great. I never played it before. And whip physics. It's all yeah. about that you whip. You can wang jangle it right in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Just diddling your whip. It's my favorite Castlevania game. Is it as good as the Castlevania anime? Mm, that's a tough call. There's not as good whip physics in uh, in, the, <laughs> in the anime, but. Uh, Depends. There's there's more content in Super Castlevania. You never four. slapped a wall with that whip and got no roast beef. <laughs> that didn't happen in the anime. No, it did not. Maybe uh, some of the wall chicken. Uh, may, maybe in, in the next season of the Castlevania anime, uh, Belmont's gonna like accidentally like he's gonna be high on something and he'll whip some candles and then he'd be like, oh, some chicken fell all these candles and then he'll or, start or eating just, the candles. I want him just to whip like a wall that like already has a bunch of cracks in it <laughs> and, and it opens a secret passageway. a secret passageway into Dracula's kitchen and there's just like <laughs> beeping, oh look, there's gross beef behind this wall. Just just to anyone who's not familiar with the games would be like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like why why are we It would be a good a good little Easter egg. <laughs> whip whip down a wall fully plated chicken dinner <laughs> still warm <laughs> bon appetit the machines inside dracula's castle with the steam it keeps it it's cooked it perfectly <laughs> anyway thank you so much for listening to this episode of nerdy show taking us out we got another artifact from the uh, the hurricane times which is that uh, mark with a c he had he had it worse than all of us when it came to uh, power outages and so on mm. uh not only was it sweltering in his house, uh, so so much so that his rabbits had to get boarded due to heat stroke. Um, but he was going a little bit out of his mind. Oh, yeah. His Facebook wall was great with the documentation of the Duke Energy kerfuffle. So, did he mention the danger of possible looters as well? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Because oh, um, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, essentially, people knew that the less wealthy communities were the ones who were not getting power. Mm-hmm. And that... Because they all universally didn't have power, there was a bunch of easy targets with no lights, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was a concern. I don't know how much of that actually happened, but it was a b- 
big concern. Um, so he realized, uh, sitting around in his underwear, sweating, oh, I have something that's electronic, that's battery-powered, I could use right now. And that was his Zoom recorder. So he recorded a four-track EP called Literally Unplugged. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and there are a lot of very weird, almost stream-of-consciousness songs. The longest track on the record is about someone who's very good at sucking shit through a straw. And there's another song called I Actually Literally Want You to Die. <laughs> Who's he singing about? Uh, I don't Point know. <laughs> <laughs> so this EP is exclusively available from the Mark with a C Patreon, where there's a ton of other bonus content like song demos, live recordings, new episodes of Mark's podcast, The Real Congregation. Lots of awesome stuff at reasonable prices. So just hunt for the Mark with a C Patreon and you'll find all that and get to hear the rest of these other weird songs. We're going to play the first track from that EP. It's called No S in Vinyl. And uh, I won't spoil it for you, but it contains a pretty great pun about Mark with a C. dream cap i didn't know you had a dream what 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 is this dream i've been saving it i don't remember all the details but the gist of it was it was kind of like a um amazing race type deal but for like youtube stars and they end up in india and they go to this hut to talk to this old man to go get like their challenge or whatever and they go up this mountain and they get up to the top of the mountain and they find all these pits and they have no idea what the hell's going on and then a tiger jumps out and eats them all <laughs> like brutally so who are these youtube stars i don't remember specifically insert annoying youtube star here yeah i want na- I, I want names i we need that's really gonna who's getting eaten by this tiger everyone that was there brutally <laughs> like slasher gore like the whole I, thing you know, was like a setup just for that 
PewDiePie gets eaten, I don't care. But if Jim Sterling gets eaten, that's too bad. This was like April that I had this dream. And I just, <laughs> I've been saving this. What's your interpretation of that one, Cap? I think it's pretty clear. Trench don't like them YouTubes? No. No, it's jealousy based. Trench wants to be PewDiePie effectively. But <laughs> but he's but not, better he's not racist enough. I want PewDiePie's money. I don't want to be PewDiePie. Well, that's the, that's the that's the handoff, Doug. You either be PewDiePie or you don't get PewDiePie's money. Well, and I ain't getting that money. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.